May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. For those of you who are the parents of children of any age, and indeed for those of you who can remember being children, which should be the rest of you, this story has two things to tell us. The first is, and again, I say this having done it myself, uh, and therefore not by way of criticism in any way, but if you have lost a child for even 10 minutes, it is possibly the worst thing that can happen to you as a parent. It completely knots up your insides. You panic, you wonder where has the child gone? What have I done? What if? And when after 10 minutes you find them, you smother them, partly in criticism, partly in guilt, partly in just pure relief. Then multiply that by three or four days and you have the story of Mary and Joseph. Worse, much worse than for us. First century Palestine wasn't a place which placed a huge amount of value on human life, even less on children. Jerusalem during the Passover was not a safe place. There is absolute horror in Mary and Joseph's heart. Mary, in particular, knows that this child is a gift from God, and she has lost him. She has lost her child. It's awful, that fear, that gut-wrenching fear. You can almost feel it coming through in the reading. And then the other thing that this reading shows, again, for parents of children of any age, uh, and indeed thinking back to our own childhood, is what I would call the eye roll. Because when Mary and Joseph eventually find Jesus, he effectively rolls his eyes at them. Mom, he says, I'm fine. I had to be here. This is what I was meant to be doing. It doesn't make Mary feel a great deal better. But it's another important part of this story because it's showing that Jesus is growing up. And what it importantly shows is that Jesus is growing up as a human being, fully divine, but also fully human. This really, in at least any detail, is the only story that we get of Jesus' life between being a baby and between being about 30 at the beginning of his public ministry. And what it does is it shows us that Jesus grows up as a human. Indeed, right at the end it says, of the reading, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in years, in divine and human favor. On Christmas Day, I mentioned very briefly about God coming down to earth, being incarnate in that baby, in order to learn what it meant to be a human. Now, why is that important? Why, if God is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, and perfect, 
Why does God need to become a human being? Didn't God make us? Doesn't that mean that God fully understands us? To which the answer is yes and no. And it's an important no. Because if you see everything, and you know everything, and you control everything, in a sense what you don't know is not knowing everything, is not being able to control everything, is not seeing everything. And therefore Jesus becomes a human being, God becomes a human being in order to fully inhabit us and understand what it is like to be us. The God of the Old Testament feels anger, to be sure, lots of anger. And the God of the Old Testament sees everything. But does God, the God of the Old Testament, the Father, does he really know what it's like to lose a child? No. And that's what Mary and Joseph experience, and that's what Jesus experiences as that child. We're told that even though he didn't understand them, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. In doing that, he had experienced his parents' fear in a way that God could not have experienced fear because God is all-powerful. And that tells God, tells Jesus, something about us. Something about our frailty, to be sure. And perhaps something about our opportunity, our potentiality as well. Jesus, as he grows up, and particularly in his, human, in his earthly ministry, discovers many things, inhabits these human emotions. We're told that he loved the young man who came to him and said, I've kept all the commandments since I was young. We told him Jesus loved him and said, sell everything you have and follow me and you will achieve the kingdom of heaven. And he was sad, sad when the young man couldn't do that. Jesus experienced the love of Lazarus and the loss of Lazarus. Jesus wept we are told, God wept tears. God understood that emotion. God felt that emotion. God understood how we feel that. Jesus was tempted. Right at the beginning of his earthly ministry, the devil says, turn those stones into bread. Throw yourself from the highest pinnacle of the temple and angels will catch you and bear you up. Bow down before me, and all the kingdoms of the world will be yours. Jesus doesn't succumb to that temptation, but he is exposed to it, and he understands it. And at the end, Jesus feels fear. God feels fear. As he's in the garden, he says, Lord, let this cup pass from my lips, but not what I will, but what you will, Lord. He feels fear. 
He feels the fear of pain, the fear of death. And right there on the cross at the end, he feels abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That full range of human emotions, which an all-seeing, all-powerful, all-knowing God cannot know or feel. And why is this important? It's important because what Jesus comes to do is understand that pain so he can share that pain, understand that burden so he can share that burden, understand that fear so he can share that fear and delay it. And so that he can raise us up. On the night before he's crucified, he gives us a new commandment to help us live with this frailty, but also this potentiality that we have. I give you a new commandment, he tells the disciples. You are to love one another. And he creates a new covenant, a covenant of bread and wine, of body and blood, bought with that sacrifice on the cross to save us from our sins, having understood us and inhabited us. Jesus gives us another way out from our frailties. And that, I think, is what St. Paul is talking about when he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what, it, what is the hope to which he has called you. It is that we have that potentiality because we too, as humans, can learn, can always learn until the very day that we die. We can change. We have been given that potential, that opportunity, those gifts, that instruction, that way, whatever you want to call it. God has given us that, having lived in us, to know us and understand us. And what it enables us to do, those who followed directly after Jesus and those of us today, is effectively to roll our eyes at the world, to roll our eyes at the church, to roll our eyes at those institutions which tell us that things can't be changed, that this is the way that things have to be, this is the way they've always been and always will be. No, that is not necessarily true. What Jesus coming down, inhabiting us, giving us these gifts, allows us to do is to continue to learn about God's love, about our love for each other, about what can be done. Our life can be a life of continual growth, as Jesus's was. And that is why Jesus came, to understand us, to stand alongside us, to love us, to save us, all of that. Amen.